Hey, everybody. We're in the midst of a few months of focusing on movement skills for climbers. But honestly, I'm not happy with just putting more info out there. So we're making an effort to not only collect the dots, but to connect the dots. And the main place I'm doing that is in our monthly newsletter, The Current. Once a month in your inbox, you'll get not a sales email, but my recent light bulb moments or interrogations of how we've always done things and what we could maybe be doing better. You'll also get the dots connected for you between all of the podcast episodes, blog posts, YouTube videos, and more so that together we can learn, grow, and excel. The link is right there in your show notes. Thanks for the support. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, this time, this time, this What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 153 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I am still here in Lander, Wyoming, where the snow has decided that it is here to stay, at least for a little while. Um, We are currently getting dumped on, which has forced me into the gym and away from the outdoors right now, which honestly is perfectly fine. I, I feel like I'm in need of a good training cycle and um, it was that time so I'm kind of excited to not be tempted by those outdoor boulders of course first sunny day I'm gonna go out and shovel some boulders out but you know that's how this thing goes as of right now this is our biggest month ever for the podcast um, which after just reaching the million download Mark is crazy. The thing just keeps growing. Thank you, everybody out there. A couple of quick notes. The submissions for the Red River Pump Prep Scholarship ended today. Uh, Drew and I have quite a few to go through. I'm really excited about the number of people who applied, the diverse amount of people who applied. Um, So thank you everybody who got that into the hands of people who really need it and, and are underrepresented in this community. I appreciate it. And I'm really looking forward to, and a little nervous to be honest, looking through all of those applications. Um, We'll be announcing the winner on Friday, which is Black Friday. And that is also when the pump prep registration will open. Um, and it, you know, it's Black Friday. Everybody expects sales and all this. We don't really do many sales here unless it's apparel that we're, you know, getting, we're phasing out and getting rid of something like that. Um, instead, we just try to keep our prices as low as we can and still operate. So what we will be doing is releasing um, they've already been trickling out. We just haven't announced it yet. We'll we'll be updating all of our proven plans and adding a few more. I'll tell you more about those in another episode. But just be aware that all of those proven plans that are on the website right now are brand new 
updated programming, updated exercises, new videos, new instructions. Um, we're trying to make it the best possible experience for all of you who want to train with us. So check those out. No sale, but you're getting a better value. So essentially, you're saving money. Another interesting thing that I want to chat about really quickly is if you happen to know a climber who's looking for a change of scenery, who has some restaurant experience, um, local climber-owned restaurant, The Cowfish, is hiring for a general manager. The owner is a climber. A lot of the staff are climbers. A lot of them climb here at the machine shop. So uh, it's a really great crew Tons of climbers. He understands climbing schedules. And if you're a climber with restaurant experience, you can find a link in the show notes to apply for that job here in Lander, Wyoming. And we can be neighbors. Or if you have a friend, send them that way. All right, that's enough of my yapping. Let's get on with this thing. Today's guest is Dr. Natasha Barnes. And Natasha is someone that you're probably already familiar with. If you're not, she was a celebrated competition climber and boulderer who ultimately became a chiropractic doctor and a PT and currently is really focused on the rehab and strength training of rock climbers. And something that I really appreciate about Natasha's approach is that she wants to give climbers the tools to rehab themselves down the road and to understand their injuries better, their rehab better. And one of the things that has to be addressed in that setting is pain. And honestly, as a coach, that's something that I feel underprepared for a lot of the time. Um, it's, a, it's a gauge that we use pretty constantly, and it's a faulty gauge most of the time at best. So this is a really interesting conversation about pain science and how we react to it, how we experience it, and some actionable information on how you can assess and react to pain in a more positive, empowering sort of a way. So let's get into it. And so when people are getting pain from injuries that are long, that's longer than three months, it's usually not an issue with the, the tissue. It's a protective mechanism of the brain. Still working on everybody's electronics. He like does electronic work. <laughs> He's got this shop filled with electronics. You gotta um, have your thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's hilarious. He's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so you just showed us this video. Like we we came up first off, thanks for having us in your office. Yeah. I appreciate it hugely. Um and you just showed us this great video that talks about pain science and how the brain reacts to stimulus um, and and decides that it's pain or decides that it's not pain, whichever. Um, and this is something I've seen you talk about quite a bit in the 
in the recent past. Um, and I think it's a fascinating topic that climbers should be hearing more about, uh, especially as training and coaching becomes more popular. You're going to encounter some things that your brain is telling you you shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, your brain's going to say it's painful, it hurts, you shouldn't do that. And a lot of people listen to that automatically. And and Nate and I as coaches are always getting messages like, oh, I felt this in my elbow, I'm going to take three weeks off. And I'm like, oh no, you know, <laughs> your brain's telling you the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> but I want to dig into that a little bit with you 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 work in this rehab setting and i'm sure you deal with it far more than we deal with it so i'm curious how you talk to your clients and your patients and and i mean we just want to know basically this is a selfish thing we want to know better how to talk to people and and i think it's just a really fascinating subject to begin with how did you get into dealing with pain science it's it is really fascinating um the way that i they don't really teach it in school um that's not something they teach you a little bit about pain like really really basic stuff Mm -hmm. but they don't get into modern pain science and so the only way that i the reason that I learned about it is because I have had um, some some of my own like funny chronic pain issues yeah. that I've had to like learn about and deal with, and then obviously through work too. Um, Are these things that were from way back when, when you were when you were climbing a lot, and you know pre becoming a chiropractor and being in the the rehab? Yeah, okay. yeah. So I mean, that's <clears throat> that was my whole. Um, the impetus for doing what I do now is, <clears throat> you know, being a professional climber, suffering from like multiple climbing injuries, right, right. Um, like pulley injuries, multiple pulley injuries, um, and also like multiple shoulder injuries, um, and and a couple of other little things that weren't as major. Um, yeah, and not having a good, a clear answer of like what I could do about them, because especially back when I started climbing, there weren't any rehab professionals or doctors who really worked with climbers. Right, you know? for sure. It definitely was like a fringe sport, like even more than it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so I was really motivated to learn how I could help not only myself, but like also help. Um, other climbers like deal with with pain because you know the answer is like whoa you rock climb that's weird just stop doing that that sounds really dangerous <laughs> yeah for sure and you know if you're anything like us it's like yeah we're not gonna stop climbing yeah that's that's not an <clears throat> invalid answer it's not gonna happen that's not an answer <clears throat> like I'm gonna keep having pain and climbing because I'm not gonna stop so yeah. there must be another way so that's why I went to school for this and I've I've had my own pain experiences and. Yeah. Um, more, more, more recently with powerlifting, cause now I compete in powerlifting mm-hmm. and I train for powerlifting. Um, I've had like some low back pain and I've had, um, persistent low back pain that didn't make any sense. Yeah. And I knew, I knew a little bit about, obviously, cause I was already rehabbing athletes. I knew a little bit about that, but I had to learn a lot more about that because I was having pain that didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, like, you know, bending over to pick something up and my my back would go out like right. that doesn't make sense yeah like that something like that yeah i mean you're picking up hundreds and hundreds of pounds so exactly bending over to pick up that envelope you dropped 
Exactly. Like that shouldn't be causing a tissue injury. Right. Um, and so it was really valuable to like learn a little bit more about like how pain works. Um, and learning how pain works for a lot of my patients is actually just learning how pain works. Like that video that we watched, that is a medically recognized form of treatment. Right. Like that is something that can just learning how pain works can decrease somebody's pain. Yeah. And I will, you know, just so everyone listening knows right off the bat, I will have links to this video. It's Lorimer Mosley. Yes. Uh, Ted talk from Lorimer Mosley. He's hilarious. It's a really fantastic <laughs> video and a really easy watch. Um, so I'll have links to that in the show notes right there in your pocket supercomputers. So just so everybody knows already. Um, yeah, so, <clears throat> you know, pain, pain is really, really complex and it's interesting and it's different for everybody. And, you know, the really complicated stuff around persistent pain doesn't apply to every injury either, you know? Like if you fall off a boulder and twist your ankle, like that's pretty straightforward. There's some tissue damage going on there. Sure. Um, that's, that's something that's acute that needs to be dealt with. But for some people, they can have persistent pain. And I've seen that with a lot of climbers. I've seen it with climbers who have like neck pain, um, even climbers Which who have- I have right now, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who have well this will be good for you maybe um climbers who have like shoulder pain that seems really mechanical and really really related to climbing but they've had it for long enough and it's been off and on and it's very clear that like it's not a tissue issue anymore um how is it clear that it's not a tissue issue most most soft tissue injuries are going to be healed within like three to six months at the most okay. and some people can have persistent issues for longer than that and even if you're like still doing the thing that that you think caused the injury it'll still remodel in some way it can that, adapt yeah mm. um you know i mean obviously you're not doing the same thing all the, the mm -hmm. same exact intensity thing that right. caused the injury right. but um yeah and for and depending on where you look some sources will say six weeks like if you break sure. your femur which is the biggest bone in I your have body broken my femur that that fracture will heal in six weeks and so a lot of times when people have these injuries and they have persistent pain, so chronic persistent pain or chronic pain is considered any pain that's been going on for longer than three months. Okay. Because um, most things are generally healed by then or right. healed as well as they're going to be. Yeah. Um, and so when people are getting pain from injuries that are long, that's longer than three months, it's usually not an issue with the, the tissue. It's, it's something mm. else. It's a protective mechanism of the brain. And the brain is giving them pain because they they it wants them to protect that area. Yeah. So let's say that person who's had this this chronic thing going on for three months, six months, whatever. Can they like can their brain limit their performance due to this thing? Even if they're trying to push through, you know, they think they're the most mentally strong climber on earth and they think their pain tolerance is amazing can their brain still say we're going to throttle your your performance down because your freaking is out a little bit and we think this thing is going to hurt you yeah absolutely i mean there's definitely people mm -hmm. who can override pain signals and like push through 
things that are painful. Like there's climbers who can climb through injuries. There's power lifters who can, you know, lift through, lift world records through right. injuries. And right. that happens through all the time. Injuries, sure. But um, there is research that shows that even though they're able to do that, like their brain is, is trying to stop them from doing that. And they've done research on it where they've done like um, saline injections in the quad, which is supposed to be like a painful stimulus. And the mm -hmm. quadriceps cannot contract as hard as it, as it, can when they don't do that or as it is on the other side right right um so yeah your your brain can inhibit like how well you're able to use a part of your body if there's pain there because it's trying to protect you um it can also uh inhibit ra your range of motion um and all kinds of things like that too to try to protect you right so if you have if you have this pain and you think i'm hurt i'm injured i know that because i'm not as strong that's not a good indicator that you actually are injured because it could just be your brain saying, we're not going to let you be as strong in this position or during this sort of move or whatever because we think it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not always because of an injury. Like sometimes it is, and usually there's pain sure, involved sure, sure. around that or mm -hmm. like um, apprehension or, or something around that. But yeah, that can happen. Yeah, and I'm going to... I'm probably going to continue to struggle with the language of all this. Um, so keep correcting me if, yeah. <laughs> if I'm saying things like injury when there's not actually an injury, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's exactly what I mean. Um, so when we are feeling that pain, first off, before I go there, let's talk about how this actually works. And we don't need to go into like the super details. I think mm -hmm. they can go to Lorimer Mosley's TED Talk and and he lays it out pretty well. Maybe some other links too for people if they want to read further. Better. Yeah, that'd be perfect. And so why is it that we shouldn't always be listening to our pain mechanism? Well, pain isn't always a good indication of tissue damage. But that's what we've been taught. Like that's Yes. That's 100%. what we've learned since we were kids. Like, if it hurts, move your hand. Like, don't do it. Yep. That's definitely, and it's natural. Like, it's not anybody's fault. That makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's a model that's been around since, like, the 1600s. Sure. Um, and I mean, really, since probably the beginning of humankind. Like, right. Like, if, if it hurts, stop. Yeah, and that's know? the point. Like, your body <laughs> wants you to yeah. stop. It's a biological mechanism to keep us safe. Yeah, but recently we've learned that that's not always something that you need to listen to. And there's ways to tell, like, if it's if it's something you should listen to or not. But a lot of times pain isn't going to be a good indication of tissue damage. And there's a good example of that. Um, like, an example would be, like, a soldier in battle who gets shot but is carrying his buddy out of battle like he's not going to feel that mm. wound right. because he's busy trying to get to safety and get his buddy to safety he's definitely right. going to feel it later his brain's <laughs> fight or flight has overridden that yes that gunshot something you else need to is get more the fuck out of here we don't care this gunshot is minor compared to the fact that you need to get out of this situation. exactly yeah Whereas you could be at work and get a paper cut and it's like the most painful thing you've oh, ever yeah. experienced. Paper cuts do suck. Let's yeah. be <laughs> <laughs> um, or like another example is like, you know, stepping on a Lego. Like that somebody oh, ever. God. How do you come up with the two worst things <laughs> on earth? That sounds horrible. Stepping on a Lego hurts. 
<laughs> but if there was a line chasing you, like, would you care about stepping on a Lego? Or like, you're in Africa, you step on a rock, but yeah. there's a lion chasing you. Are you going to feel that? No. Yeah, true. You're trying to get out of there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there may be very real tissue damage with that, you know. Some tissue got injured when you stepped on it, but that's not a priority. Right. Something you're not going to feel it at that moment. Yeah. And so the, you know, that's a good example of like how pain isn't always a good indication of tissue damage. Yeah. Um, and the inverse of that is true as well. Like essentially if you've hurt yourself this way in the past and your brain doesn't want to do that again, when you do that same movement, it might be really hard to overcome it without feeling pain mm -hmm. because your brain's saying, Whoa, we don't like that Gaston. You hurt yourself in that position before. Right. Don't do that again. You know, we're going to send a pain signal down there and say, don't grab that hold. Right. And it's trying to protect you. And that may not be something that you need protection on. And in fact, that can be a bad thing because you're training your body that this position is dangerous and this yeah. position isn't a position your body should be in. Mm -hmm. And that's not always true. And there's ways to, and for some people, they really can't get into certain positions because it does hurt. And, you know, that can make the pain worse if they get into that position because it's mm -hmm. very threatening yep. to the body. Um, and so there's ways to get around that by graded exposure. Um, like, for example, um, this isn't a rock climbing example, but I had a patient this week who is a power lifter and she did something to her knee. Um, you know, we ruled out red flags. It didn't seem like it was anything super major, but she, her knee was swollen and she couldn't squat all the way down because of the swelling and pain. Um, and so instead of just like forcing her to squat down and completely ignore the pain signal, because you can't do that either. You have to like... Right respect that a little bit because otherwise your body's just going to give you more pain sure um we can do what's called graded exposure so i had her start by squatting down to a high box to a depth that she could without feeling the knee pain and then we just progressed her lower and lower and lower over the session and by the end of the session she's squatting all the way down without pain right because we've sort of <clears throat> challenged the body's belief about that position and it thinks that position is dangerous, but it's not. So if we play right on the edge of that and ease into that position, we can retrain that pain pattern. Um, and the same thing happens, like that was an acute injury. The same thing we can do with like chronic pain. We can retrain that that brain, that pain pattern. Sure. Doesn't it, can an acute injury that that your brain is convinced is an injury? I'm trying to get the language right here. I don't know. Can that become a chronic thing just because you never address it? Yeah, that often is that's how chronic pain starts. Like people have had some kind of legitimate like tissue injury that started the whole thing off. Um, and then for whatever reason, um, and it, it's multifactorial, it's super complex, and it depends on the person and their situation. For whatever reason, it becomes a chronic issue, and their pain system becomes more and more sensitive. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do with, like, their beliefs around pain, um, their, like, like social social things around pain. Like, there's different cultures who that view pain differently. Sure. That has a big thing to do about it. Um, I know it, a lot of people who are like, who want to be, who want to act like they're in pain mm -hmm. um, because it's cool to push through or something. Or you're a male soccer player and... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I, I have never been a male soccer player. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, for example, um, you know, whiplash, right? Like if you get into a car accident here in the United States, um, when you go see the doctor, they're like, you may experience whiplash. Um, yeah. That happens with car accidents, and they explain they explain that to you. Um, in I think what country is that? I think it's is it Latvia? Latvia? Um, some Eastern European country, they literally don't have a word for whiplash. Right. And when you get in a car accident there, the doctor doesn't talk to you about whiplash. Um, they don't have a word for it. It's not a concept there. And literally nobody experiences it. So whiplash. they just don't have it. They just don't have it. Yeah. And a lot of that, it's a cultural thing, you know? <laughs> they don't talk about it. They don't know about it. They don't think about it. So they don't experience it. Hmm. Um, and here in the United States, everybody knows what whiplash is. Wow. Can we make a word for like being as strong as Alex Magos so that I can experience it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, visualization, um, right? <laughs> so, so I I do have a climbing example of it, and I just want to very selfishly bring that up, and maybe we can use it as an example, and you can explain a little more of it. Um, years ago, I don't remember how many because I'm horrible with dates. Um, maybe five years ago, four years ago, I had a shoulder surgery, mm-hmm. um, uh, supraspinatus repair and a bicep tenodesis. And then that shoulder is stronger than ever. Um, I did, however, hear some, a recent podcast that talked about, even though it was a complete tear of the bicep tendon, I potentially could have just not done anything and only lost like three to five percent of strength or mm-hmm. something like that which is crazy to think about mm-hmm. but regardless of that um that shoulder is stronger now but i tried campusing maybe a year and a half or two years after the surgery and it was incredibly painful like this really sharp pain sent to me at like this really specific moment in the campusing and it would be i could do the the first big move totally fine no problem but if i so my surgery was on my right shoulder if i made the first big move with my left hand as soon as i went to release my right hand to do the next ladder sharp pain sent to my shoulder Mm -hmm. that's what it felt like Mm -hmm. and at first it was nate and i at first i was like oh can't campus you know that may be out forever but then i started realizing if there was a move that felt that way like a a big move where i had to generate all this momentum with my right hand low and i would be making a big move with my right hand it would send that same pain signal and i'm like but i really want to do this move Mm -hmm. like i don't give a shit about campusing but i really want to do this move so i would push through it and by the third, fourth, fifth time, I would try the move, no more pain. So just recently, I started trying to campus again, immediately pain. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense because it, the same pain happened with this move. Then I was able to push through it. Now it's happening with this campusing. My shoulder doesn't know if my feet are on or not. It just knows I'm doing this big explosive move. So let's try and push through it. And sure enough, within a session, I was doing big campus moves with 
absolutely zero pain. Mm -hmm. And it was a really intense, sharp pain that made me like, I'm not fucking doing this move. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm going to drop off instead of trying this. (laughs) Um, but totally gone in, you know, within the course of 30 minutes of graded exposure or what did you call it? Yeah. Graded exposure. Graded exposure. Uh It went away. Yeah. How do we know that that's what we should do? Are there things we can, are there tools we can use to say, okay, this is probably all in my head. This is a, my brain playing tricks with me or whatever. And I'm sure that's not the language you use. (laughs) Or this is an actual injury. Yeah, that's a good question. How the hell do we know? First of all, I want to say that pain is never just in your head. It's always real. And whenever you have pain, you're actually experiencing it. See, I knew that wasn't the right language. Um, And, you know, that's an important thing to point out. Because a lot of times when people are learning about pain science, they're like, so you're telling me I'm imagining it. No, Mm, like you're mm -hmm. actually having pain. My wife says this to me all the time. (laughs) You're telling me I'm imagining it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, your your feelings are valid. Like you're experiencing pain. And that's really, if if you're a practitioner, that's an important thing to acknowledge with people too. Um, Yes, I, I acknowledge that you're experiencing pain. The pain is very real. But is it really something that we need to listen to? Like, are you actually in danger right now? Mm-hmm. And with your campus story, like, you know, you, you did all the rehab for your shoulder. You may not have done something that ballistic or that mm-hmm. high intensity with the shoulder. And right. so the shoulder was like, um, what's going on? We haven't, we're not adapted to this. We don't like this. We're not sure. Okay, pain. I did that stick. You shake a lot. Was that not yeah, enough? Not enough. That's not high intensity <laughs> enough. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah might something be right. like that. Yeah. And then in that situation, you're like, okay, my body's telling me something. <clears throat> Maybe I need to listen to that. Maybe I don't need to campus. Campusing has a bad reputation for hurting people. It's high intensity. Maybe I will just stop doing it. Yeah. And then you go to climb, and that situation's different. You're like, I really want to do this move. Yeah, I place a lot of value on. I want to send I this climb. This. I want to do the move that's a whole different situation like you're in a little more of a positive mindset there because you want to do the move and if you slowly expose your shoulder to that move and you just do it you don't panic about it and you're like i can work through this then you do and you did and mm-hmm. then you went back to the campus board and had pain again because the campus board's high intensity it's dangerous it's yep. and your shoulder's still not maybe that's a, that's a situation and i just didn't care as much like yeah you didn't care about important it. to me right And that's also a totally different like situation and context and that stuff plays into people's pain too like context sure um and maybe that move you weren't perceiving as dangerous but the campus board you are because you know whatever we all climbers know camp people get into campus boarding you know yeah um but then you worked through that too and -hmm. you're able to make that a non-threat and you were able to to start doing that and so you weren't actually injuring yourself by putting yourself in that situation, you were just, it was just a situation that your shoulder maybe hadn't encountered since the surgery. And it wasn't sure and it seemed sort of dangerous. And so it was giving you pain to kind of protect you from getting injured. Um, And so it can be hard to tell for people um, whether or not something is worth ignoring and pushing through or if it's something that they need to take seriously. There are some things that people can do. 
you know, if you're not sure, go see a practitioner, um, you know, go see a physical therapist or a chiropractor yeah. or somebody who knows pain science who can talk yeah. to you about this stuff and figure out if, if it's worth, um, you know, if there's red flag symptoms and it's something you need to, because there are situations where like we need to be like, yeah, no, we shouldn't do that. Um, but most of the time it's something where we can just slowly expose you to that position or that movement or that situation and we can decrease that threat and we can decrease the pain over time. Mm -hmm. um, and so the thing that I tell people, like I have people who come in, climbers who come in with like finger injuries. Um, obviously that's a very real injury, um, but with any injury, like we need to stress the injured tissues if we want them to get better. Right. And for pulley injuries or even like with tendinopathies and stuff mm -hmm. like that, it can be painful. Like you, you can have discomfort and a little bit of pain when you're going through that rehab process and it can be scary for people. They're like, well, I'm just not going to do it then. Sure. Um, and so it's important for them to know, and I explain this to them, like you're going to have some discomfort with this rehab process and it's okay. Um, and usually you can tell because the pain shouldn't spike too high during the session and the pain level should return your pain or your discomfort should kind of return to baseline within like 24 to 48 hours and if that happens sweet like i've had people who come in that say okay well it kind of hurts my finger to hang on the hangboard and i'm like well how do you feel the next day fine well actually maybe better but sometimes just fine and i'm like okay yeah. well that's great that's that's <clears throat> the perfect amount of stress mm -hmm. um and i had to find that out the hard way that was one of the first injuries climbing injuries that i got um i got a really bad pulley injury i think i may have like i had i didn't actually get imaging on it but it's possible that i actually fully ruptured my a2 on my mm. my ring finger my middle finger of my right hand um it was in the old PCA days. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah. PCA. Oh, yeah. For sure, I remember. I'm old, Natasha. Yeah. <laughs> We're old here. <laughs> um, I was competing there. I think I got third place at that competition, at that um, that particular competition. Um, and after the competition, my finger was sore. Mm -hmm. And they were having a dyno comp after. So I was like, well, it's just a dyno comp. Like, yeah. it's just jugs. <laughs> Duh. Doesn't matter if my finger's sore. Like I'm not <laughs> crimping. I'll just I'll just rest after this competition. Plus, I'm super hardcore. So. Yeah, I'll just rest a few days after this comp. My finger will go back to normal. Yep. It's fine. It's 22. You know. Yeah. Um. So I did the dyno comp first. Dyno I did. Pushed off of the jug. Mm. My finger like exploded. It mm. felt like something like a bomb went off in my hand. And I just fell down on the mats and like immediately started crying because I was like, this is it. Like, I can't climb anymore. I'm not going to be able to like, I was starting to do really well in climbing competitions. I had like just won bouldering nationals, like a competition before that. Right. And I was like really excited to start like crushing competitions and like sending hard boulders. And then that happened. So I was like, this is it. Like my climbing career is over. <laughs> like mm -hmm. this, this seems catastrophic. Yeah. Um, and the finger got purple, it got swollen, like it seemed, it was a bad injury. Um, and then I was like, well, okay, like I don't, I, I think I'll just rest until it doesn't hurt anymore. And then I'll start climbing on it again. So right, that's the typical response yeah, for people. I need to rest. Totally. I'll, I'll just rest. It makes sense. It's intuitive. Like sure. something hurts, rest. If you get hurt, rest. So I did. I rested for four months. It was depressing. Yeah, that's a lot um, of rest. Like literally, I think I was starting to get depressed because I didn't have climbing and I sure. didn't have anything. I wasn't doing anything else. Sure, your whole identity 
changes when that happens. Yeah, especially if you're a pro- like at that point in time, I was a professional rock climber. Like that's what I was doing for a living. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't doing that, and I was worried about losing sponsors. I was worried about missing out on competitions where like that's where I was making money. So mm-hmm. you know, that's all important to the pain experience too. Yeah. Um, yeah. My livelihood is connected to it. So anyway, I rested for four months, and it didn't change really. It got a little bit less painful. It stopped being swollen, but. So there was still something there. So I was like, well, I'll just test it out. Maybe I can like climb on some jugs and and maybe it'll it'll be good. And I went to the gym and top roped like a 10A and I was like, oh, it still hurts. I was like, okay, well, I'll just take another two months off. Maybe it just needs more time. Right. So I took two months off and I was so depressed at that point. I haven't climbed in six months. Like yep. I was trying to do yoga. <laughs> Oh my god she says with such disdain i was trying to like get into road biking those oh, things god, that's even worse they're fun but like honestly like i kind of like road biking a little bit in a masochistic way but not as much as like rock climbing i knew you had issues <laughs> i knew it but it wasn't you know it's not the same as climbing you know yeah um so at that point i was like you know what i don't i it can't get worse than this like nobody knows what to do about this doctors say well just don't climb mm-hmm. um there's nothing surgical about it there's there's nothing i can do about it as far as i knew at that point uh, so i was like well screw it i'm just gonna go climb on it because how much worse can this get like if i heard it worse oh well like at this point i would just rather climb so we went on a climbing trip and I started climbing on it and I remember like getting on this like like a V4 or something and like getting on this like crimp on a V4 and like having to move off of it and being like oh I don't know if that's good because uh, I could like feel the injury mm-hmm. you know and after that my fingers started healing right and this light bulb went off in my head like oh you have to use it for it to get better and so i just started progressively climbing a little bit more a little bit more a little more intensity and then pretty soon i was back to normal again and it really made me realize wow i wasted a whole bunch of time like just resting and that's not always what you want to do with with injuries and even ones that seem really really bad um are really serious like resting is almost the last thing you want to do um unless something is like fractured or you have um you know red flag symptoms resting is the last thing you want to do because it also trains your brain to say like okay movement is dangerous we shouldn't be doing movement and then your pain sensitivity gets the threshold just gets lower and lower and lower and a lot of times that's how people get into chronic pain they avoid movement pretty soon they're avoiding like you know sitting in chairs for too long they're they avoid 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 and then that pain sensitivity gets lower 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 and then things that shouldn't be hurting them start to hurt them sure you know it's interesting i think i it's interesting you brought up breaking femurs actually (laughs) earlier because i think when i learned that that this graded exposure was important was when I broke my femur, which was in like fifth grade, fourth grade or fifth grade. I broke it in two places, um, trying a backflip on a bicycle. Um, long story, (laughs) but (laughs) I didn't No, I, I would have, I would have, but I didn't. Um, and, and it broke in two places. So there was this floating chunk of uh-huh. femur that they had to put pins in. And 
and I was in traction for a while and then in a body cast. And then when I could walk on crutches, there were, there was this like very intense sickening pain when I tried to put weight on that leg. The doctors were telling me the bone is healed. Mm-hmm. Like, essentially, you can put weight on it. But anytime I would just touch that foot to the floor, it was like, hell no, don't <laughs> no. What are you doing? You know, and it it took this really like at the time I thought I was like the most mentally strong human. I'm like Bruce Lee over here <laughs> because I'm gradually putting more and more weight on this broken leg, you know? Yeah. And and there were doctors telling me like you're never going to walk normally anymore oh my gosh. because of the way this leg was broken but ultimately it was totally fine you know but it took this graded exposure that that no one helped me into i just had to figure it out for my like mm-hmm. you know 14 year old self or whatever it was and i remember these moments in my living room on crutches like my mom would be out of the room and I'm like, okay, now's a good time because she wouldn't want me to be crying and hurt, you know? (sighs) And I would try to put weight on it and I would fall down and be crying and, you know, but, but I remember going through all this time of doing that and then relatively quickly in a couple of weeks being able to just hobble around on it, Mm -hmm. you know, with no pain. Um, and I think I learned that then and I've, that's carried over to climbing because I've never had an injury really other than a broken bone that's caused me to take time off. It's always been like, okay, I know I can't pull as hard on that. Let's try and pull a little bit. Let's try and pull a little bit more next session, Mm -hmm. you know? So I've just lucked into that. But as coaches, Nate and I, hear from a lot of people especially being remote coaches because we're not there in person with Mm -hmm. them often we hear from a lot of people who are like i hurt this i have to stop this and the natural go-to for some ridiculous reason is i hurt my finger i can't hangboard anymore i'm gonna climb but i can't hangboard anymore and (laughs) which i don't quite understand Mm -hmm. i don't grasp other than there's a value system that says climbing is more important hangboarding not that important Mm -hmm. hangboarding is directly on my fingers that must be what hurts climbing is this cool thing that i don't need to be worried about right and they want to do that right yeah but in reality hangboarding is the thing they should be doing or some sort of loading yeah. of their fingers that's whatever exactly what i have people do is. with finger injuries they come in here and they're like yeah so what do you think i'm like well there's my hangboard we're getting on it and yeah. people are like wait what yeah <laughs> i have a finger injury you want me to hangboard yes mm-hmm. yep and it's also like more measurable yeah. Then climbing, you know, we know exactly how much weight you're hanging with. We can control exactly the position that you're hanging. Like it makes total sense. But for whatever reason, culturally, like same thing with the campus board, like, ooh, yeah. dangerous. People get hurt on that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, one thing that was huge for me. So I blew up my finger this last winter and we had talked about yeah. it. Um, the idea of measurability. Uh, maybe the best investment I've ever made was yeah. a one and a quarter pound plate yeah. so that I could make just tiny little adjustments to my hangs. Um, 
and for me was something that was super important was because it wasn't just this i this aha moment of like oh i have pain well i did this and now gradual exposure over the course of 30 minutes it's all gone um but one thing that was really huge was i could say oh i had like a little bit of discomfort or had some discomfort at you know maybe i was only hanging 11 pounds or something like that off of uh i was using like a tension block and a few weeks later i'd be like man i still have a little bit of discomfort but maybe now i was hanging 50 pounds or 60 mm-hmm. pounds it's like okay like this is clearly an advancement even though there is some discomfort um and to me that was a really huge thing because i guess i had always perceived pain as kind of like an on off switch mm-hmm. it's like either you're in pain or not right um is there anything else you'd like to kind of elaborate on that as far as like yeah that's really important actually before i say anything that was a really those were cool posts that you were making on instagram about your progress with the finger Mm -hmm. and i thought that was really cool i shared those because it's good for people to see that like you were progressively loading your finger you were graded graded exposure with the finger and that's like you know you weren't just taking time off and resting um or you know doing gentle easy climbing you were loading the finger so those those were cool stories that you shared and it was cool to see your progress too thanks um but yeah um uh i forget where i was going with that um what was your question again um just the idea of pain being like either pain is there or it's right, not. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, switch. I mean, that's really important. Like, sometimes I have people come in and they're like, well, I'm still in pain, so, like, it's not getting better. I'm not getting mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, when you came and saw me, like, you couldn't hang on a hangboard. Now you're hanging on a hangboard with 20 pounds. Yeah, but I still have pain. Yes, but that is progress. Yeah. And you're able to do more with the same amount of pain. Mm-hmm. That's still progress. And of course, we'd like to be able to do more with less pain. And oh. eventually that's going to happen. Like you probably don't have pain in your finger anymore now. Yeah. And I'd say if anything, like my crimps are stronger now having gone through all of that. Yeah, totally. Um, but I think it's an important thing for people to realize that, you know, same thing we were talking about earlier. Pain isn't always an indication of damage. Um, and even if you're, you know, and and the rehab process isn't always, and, and recovering from pain and even chronic pain isn't always like a linear process. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have flare-ups, you know, you may still have pain, but if your function is better, then that's progress. Um, and I think it's important for people to realize that and reframe how they're looking at their, their rehab or their injury based on that information. Um, and that's also important to the pain process too. If you can, you can reframe. That's one thing that um, I've done for myself with back pain, and I do with my patients. And um, you know, a lot of people who are up on the modern pain science reframing techniques are super important when it comes to pain. Um, so a lot of times, people will have like negative beliefs about their pain, or like, "Well, I'm still in pain, so I'm not better." Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be, you know, all or nothing thinking. Um, there's all kinds of like cognitive—they're called cognitive distortions—that people can have about pain. And really, like, if you're saying like, "Oh, I'm in so much pain, I can just never climb again." Yeah. Like, is that really real? Like, mm-hmm. are you are you in so much pain that you can never really climb again? No. It like, feels that way. It feels that way sometimes. <laughs> but I have people who come in, they're like, yeah, I hurt my finger, so I just haven't climbed in three weeks. What do you think I should do? 
and we get them on the hangboard. They're able to do that. And I'm like, well, do you think there is like some grade, some angle, some style of climb that you can get on that's not going to aggravate your pain? And most of the time there is. Mm-hmm. And they should be doing that. And a lot of times people come in and see me and they're surprised that I'm saying you should you should climb. Totally. Because that's your goal is to get back to climbing. And the sooner we can have you do that, the better. Um, and we can help them reframe their beliefs. I'm in so much pain or I'm so injured I can't even climb. Well, that's not exactly true. Like, yes, you're in pain. Yes, there's some things that you can't do. But there's actually a lot you still can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really important for people to realize because that's, that's going to help not only mentally with their recovery, but like physically, they're able to still do things that are meaningful for them. They're still able able to stress the injured tissues in a way that they're going to be using them <clears throat> climbing or whatever sport that they're doing um so yeah that's the, those that's really important for people to realize um and um yeah a lot of people will use like cognitive behavioral therapy to help people in chronic pain um, because like reframing your thoughts and beliefs around pain beliefs are really really important your expectations and beliefs can absolutely influence your pain and your injury and your recovery process and like one really good example of that is um, i read this study where they had patients come in and they hooked them up to an iv And they told the patients, we're just preparing you for the experiment. Um, We're running some saline into you to get you ready for the experiment. Um, We're going to do a baseline test here. Um, They they used lasers to, like, burn the the person's arm. Not actually burn because you can't do that. (laughs) But, you know, enough of a hot laser that it was, like, uncomfortable. You know, didn't actually burn their skin, but it was painful. Um, You know, so they, they hooked these people up to the IV. Without them knowing, they actually put them on a drug called remifentanil, which is a drug that is 400 times more powerful than morphine, which I didn't even know something like that existed. Yeah. But apparently it does. That's cool. So, Where was that when I had my femur? <laughs> I don't know if you can actually get this drug, but um, so they used it in the experiment and they hooked the patients up to that without them knowing. And they... They burn them with a laser and they ask them, okay, we want you to rate your pain on a scale um, from zero to 10. How painful was that? And average, the average answer was six out of 10. That was was the pain they experienced. And then after that, they said, okay, now we're going to hook you up, hook the IV up to a very powerful painkiller. And we're going to repeat the test. Mm. And then we're going to ask you your pain level. They didn't change anything because they were already on the drug. So they burn their skin again. What was the average answer? Three out of 10. Right. Definitely less pain. Um, Because now they knew they were on a drug that was supposed to block the pain. So, of course, it's less painful. And so then they told them, okay, now we're going to take you off the drug, and we're going to do the same thing again and get another reading. Still didn't change anything. They're still on the drug. Mm -hmm. They burn them again. Guess what the average answer was for the pain level even more six out of ten same as the base same as the first Mm. one yeah i saw my grandma like when she was dealing with with cancer and some other things i would take her to the doctor and they would ask her what her pain level was and she'd be totally fine like Uh you know acting absolutely normal and they'd ask her her pain and she'd be like eight eight out of ten and i'd be like i've seen you stub your toe 
and act way more harmed <laughs> than you are right now. So that was an eleven. I know I you're full of shit. You know. <laughs> yeah. So like your brain is really powerful and like powerful enough that we have research that shows it can overcome the effects of a drug that is four hundred times more powerful than morphine. Right. And that was purely patient expectations and beliefs. They thought they were on a drug. They thought they were off a drug. Mm -hmm. And the answers were different each time. Yeah. So if they think this is supposed to hurt, yeah. or I have this, this idea in my head that this thing is supposed to hurt it, then that's going yeah. to affect yeah. things. And same thing, like if you're going, if you have a shoulder injury and you mm -hmm. go into a climb and you're like, oh, it has a gaston in it, it's going to hurt my shoulder. Well, yeah, like sometimes if you expect that it's going to hurt your shoulder. Like maybe when you were campusing, you sort of expected like, mm -hmm. yeah, this might hurt my shoulder. Yeah, this is more ballistic. It's a little more dangerous. Uh -huh. This might be problematic. Yeah, and so it, it can. And at the first twinge of it, it probably gets worse every time. Yeah. Your brain's like, yeah. oh no, what are Panic. you doing? You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, <laughs> this is like everybody's pain experience is individual. It's different for everybody. Like if there's an acute injury, like, you know, obviously that's a real tissue damage situation. Sure. But the further and further away we get from the time of injury, the more the less and less it is about actual tissue damage. Right. Um, and so when people have like very persistent pain, like it's not always, you know, uh, an actual tissue thing. And we have to talk about, you know, how pain right. works. So when there is that moment, like if a client comes to me and says, I hurt my finger climbing today. How at that moment, you know, it hasn't been three months. There's not, I can't say, oh, well, that, that likely not the issue anymore. My general thought is going to be, okay, let's, let's give you a couple days. Then let's start hanging or, or at least holding weight, you know, whatever it is that we can do. And the language that I use, and I'm curious what you think about this, whether whether this language makes sense or I'm being too light or I should be a little more aggressive, whatever. I tell people generally to lean into the discomfort but not go to pain. Mm -hmm. And I, I've always wondered, like, is that is telling them not to go to pain making it worse? I'm not sure. Yeah, sometimes it really, you have to read the person sometimes too. Mm -hmm. Like I will purposely not use that word for some people because yeah, it's, it's bad. Pain is bad. I don't yeah. want to have pain. What do you mean pain? Push through pain? No. So I'll say discomfort. And I think it's also important to reframe that word and be careful with our language sometimes because pain does have like a negative connotation in sure. most people's mind, which yeah. it shouldn't. Pain is normal. It's a normal human mm -hmm. experience. And it's actually a good thing that we have pain because there's people who are born that don't experience pain. And typically they die by the time they're three because sure. and the ones that don't like don't really live past 24 most of the time. Mm. Um, so pain is important. It keeps us safe. Um, but you know, pain does have a negative connotation in our culture. Right. Um, and for some people, like I, I try to, I try to not use that language with them. I'll say your discomfort, discomfort is okay. Um, and sometimes people, you know, they're like, well, now that you explain it, I'm not actually having pain. It just like kind of is uncomfortable or tingly. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I think I think words are important there too, and it depends on the person. You know, like if you have someone who's like you're really worried about. I think we shared a client recently. I won't say their name that mm-hmm. likes to push it. Yeah. Um, you know, I might say like, "Don't push into pain." Yeah. Because you know, I know you're gonna probably yeah. do that. You know that person will go a hundred yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's individual, and then other mm. people I won't even say that word. Okay. Um, and some people I will. Some people say pain is okay. You can have pain. This is fine. If your pain level is, you know, back to if your discomfort goes down to baseline in twenty four hours, we are good to go. That's actually a good thing. We want to push into that a little bit. So, yeah, I think it's good to tell people to lean into that sometimes. Okay. Um, and also get people less afraid of pain. Yeah. Um, it's something you said when you were talking with Nate a minute ago, I think is really important to kind of highlight and talk a, a little bit more about. You said it's not this linear thing that there there can be flare-ups, you know, that's that's totally normal and one thing i want to make sure that people get is that just because they've felt pain they've decided that they're hurt even if they've seen a practitioner and it feels like it's getting better if something feels like it hurts again that doesn't necessarily mean you've injured it worse you're all the way back at the starting point Mm -hmm. this you know you've ruined the last three months of work that you've done right you know that's not the case um like you've said multiple times this is really complex and complicated and we almost have to take a like i don't even know how to describe it but it's almost we just have to say i don't really know but i need to wait it out i need to try a little bit try a little bit more and oftentimes if you start that graded exposure process again you're going to be right back to where you were in a few sessions and be able to continue yeah absolutely like flare-ups happen in in the recovery process and it isn't a big deal sometimes sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just a sensitivity that your body has it doesn't mean you've re-aggravated it or retorn it or Mm -hmm. or anything like that um and i've experienced that with my back pain before um and i've gone through a few flare-ups i know exactly how to handle them now so like one time i was deadlifting i think I was warming up. I was deadlifting. I got to 275 and tweaked my back. Mm-hmm. And I've done it enough times now that I, did, I knew not to panic. Right. Okay. Tweaked my back. This is fine. I didn't pack it up and go home. I took all the weight off the bar and I restarted my warm up. And I was able to warm up and move past that and get mm. up to 300 pounds um, that day with zero pain. After a, mm. a back tweak flare-up. Yeah. Um, I like that approach of not just pushing through immediately because my go-to would be, you're not hurt, do it again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and maybe that's not the best approach when my brain is overpowering my will mm-hmm. and taking it back down to warm-up levels and coming back up. You know, a really fast graded exposure, so to speak, mm-hmm. 
might be the better approach. Yeah, I mean, it might work for some people to just push through it. Like, oh, it's fine. I'm not actually hurt. And then sometimes that can work. But Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's just about bringing it down to what you can tolerate and then working back up. And sometimes you can do that in a few sessions. Sometimes you can do it within session, um, like I was just explaining. But that's important. And that's that's the first thing that I tell people is, like, if you have pain, what what do? Pain, what do? Um, Mm -hmm. First of all, don't panic. Yeah because it might not be serious. Um, Second of all, like there's ways that you can still train if we use that graded exposure approach or, you know, we back down, like maybe you can't climb on your your project with the super tweaky shoulder move right now, but there's stuff you can do. Um, And it's not always like, okay, well now you have to do V-force because you're hurt. You might be able to do this other V-10 that doesn't have that move and be totally fine. Sure. Um, so finding something that you can do that doesn't aggravate whatever injury you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like re reframing your thoughts around that injury as well is super, super important and decreasing like the threat yeah. is the most important thing. Yeah. And that's a lot, a lot of the reason why I have people do like movements and hangboarding and, um, you know, I'll have people with low back pain come in. We're deadlifting. What? Right we're deadlifting, I just hurt my back. Yeah, we need to show your body that that position, that movement load isn't a threat. And I'm not gonna put 300 pounds on the bar and have you pick it up. I might just put a kettle, a 20, like maybe a 10 pound kettlebell on the ground and have you pick yeah, it up. Yeah. And we start there, you know? It's really interesting that like, when it comes to like, say, falling or um, trying hard above a bolt or something like that, we can very quickly say, that's irrational. I'm not going to get hurt. And you can, through exposure, convince yourself to take that fall. You know, it's interesting when it's mental like that, we can push through it. When it's physical, we're so sure that we know what's happening. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt it. It's real. This has to be what's happening, Mm -hmm. you know, period. We give the brain all this credit when it comes to something more mental like falling and then we completely strip that credit away when we think we know what's happening in our elbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I think we're, we're starting to find out more and more, um, the more research that gets put out there, um, you know, they've done, um, baseline studies on like, they'll do MRIs on people who have no pain, you know, and something like 70% of people with zero back pain have a bulging disc in their low back. They have no pain. And labrum tears. And labrum tears and meniscal tears and all these things. And we're starting to find out more and more that like, these are just like normal signs of aging. Mm -hmm. It's not, it may not actually be like what's causing your pain. Um, And so, you know, the physical, not that the physical doesn't matter at all, because it does, obviously. Sure, sure. Um, if you sprain your ankle, yeah, okay, you broke your femur, yes, that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't, for, for some things, it doesn't matter as much as people think it does, or as much as, like, our culture has put weight on the physical. Right. Um, it's not just physical. It's also, um, you know, it's the, it's the physical, it's biological, but it's also like, you know, psychological. And it's also, there's also social components to mm-hmm. all of these things. Sure. So I think it's easy to like rationalize like, well, I'm like safe. I'm on a rope. Like, I'm not really going to get hurt. I'm just being irrational. So we can like 
you know, explain that one away, but like, oh no, so I actually feel something pinching. I must have a bone spur that's like pinching on a tendon that's going to rip. Right. Because that's physical. It right. seems it seems more real or something. Yeah, totally. Well, I think regardless of whether whether you're the type of person who thinks this is physical, I know my body, I know what's going on or not, if you're the person who's like, I don't know, it just feels crazy, you know, mm-hmm. I don't like it. I think this graded exposure idea to whatever it is you think hurts, whatever it is you think is injured, try a little bit of it. See what happens. Mm -hmm. Try a little bit more of it. Try a little bit more of it. And see where that goes. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm missing something here entirely, but that seems like a really great tool for self diagnosis if it's really bad go see a practitioner if you're really nervous about it go see a practitioner whatever it is if you think you need to see somebody by all means go do it and if you're in the san francisco area come to natasha (laughs) um but if you're like most climbers trying to self-diagnose and fix yourself this seems like a really good method Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. with not a lot of downsides, right? Yeah, um, there's that saying: the dosage makes the poison, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not what you're doing; it's how much or the intensity of it that you're doing. So there's always some level that you can scale back to that you can do, and then go from there. And not doing anything is the worst thing that you can do. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, that's a really good way to approach it. And that's what I try to teach people to do. And I think if people have that tool in their tool toolbox, they're going to have a lot more, um, you know, they're going to feel a little more empowered. They're going to feel a little less scared yep. because they can do something about it and they're in control. Um, they're going to have a little more self-efficacy around their injury. And that's really, really important when it comes to pain and when it comes to someone developing chronic pain, like the less helpless they feel about their situation, totally. the better the prognosis. So Yeah. And before we wrap this thing up, because we've already been talking an hour, which is crazy. Oh, well. <laughs> but before we wrap it up, now that we've kind of given people this tool to to work through a little bit on their own, how fucking normal is it to feel like you've maybe hurt yourself. I mean, as a former professional climber, as a powerlifter now, as someone who works in a rehab setting with other athletes, how normal is it to feel like there might be something wrong? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty normal, especially for those of us who train and push ourselves. Like, you... Even if you have the perfect program, um, everybody's different. We're all dynamical systems, chaos. Like we're not, it's, we're not robots and we're not always going to get the dosage right. And, you know, we might feel like something is wrong and that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. there's things that we can do about that. Um, And if you're pushing yourself and you're an athlete and you're competitive or you're trying to get stronger or go harder, like sometimes you just get close to that edge and maybe go over it and it's okay. Um, yeah, so, I've said to several people over the years that I don't know a single professional climber who doesn't have some sort of tweak, twinge, niggle, something yeah. going on that they're that they're concerned about yeah. a little bit. And then they go climb the hardest thing ever. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean it's, it's pretty 
from what I can tell, it's pretty damn normal for climbers to feel like they've hurt something that ultimately doesn't end up affecting their performance. Yeah, totally. And like, you know, sometimes those concerns are legitimate and they have yeah. an actual injury, mm -hmm. but a lot of times it's just an indica indication that the dosage is wrong, you know, and the dosage being the volume, the intensity, the frequency. Yeah. And those are all things that we can adjust. And also, like we talked about earlier, the mental and social side of the, those things too, stress, all of that. Um, those are things that we can turn the dial on mm -hmm. and affect whether or not we're injured or whether or not we're in pain yeah totally nate since i've been hoarding the mic over here is there anything else you have to talk about ask no, okay good. okay well shit this has been fascinating <laughs> and we should do it again yeah next time i'm around or next time you're around not that you'll ever be in lander for any reason but <laughs> you never know <laughs> but we'll find ourselves in the same place at some point in time yeah. so so yeah let's let's definitely do it again and thanks for bringing us beers and sitting down and chatting yeah absolutely i listen to your podcast all the time so it's great to be on awesome. it i'm psyched that you're <laughs> on it yeah thanks natasha thanks natasha again thank you for taking the time out of your schedule and sitting down i am really looking forward to the next time that we get to do it because there's there frankly there's so much knowledge that natasha has that i really want to dig into and pick her brain on um, and i'm just stoked that there's someone else out there who really wants to continue learning who is a great resource and provider for climbers so um, definitely check her out you can find links to her website to her instagram right there in the show notes in your pocket supercomputers and like I said before, one of the things that I appreciate the most about what Natasha does is that she is trying to provide her clients with the tools to honestly not come back to her. And I, I think that's really massively important. That's something that we are trying to achieve with our Empowered Workshops, the first of which is sold out and coming up very soon, just a few weeks down the road, less than three, I believe. And... I think it's important to give people the tools. I mean, you know, there are so many climbers out there that we can't work with everyone. And I want to give people the tools to continue improving. Natasha wants to give people the tools to improve as well as to improve their experiences with injury and with pain and with rehab. And that's an inevitable part of this sport. So I think it's a huge benefit to the climbing community. All right. Like I said in the intro, check out the proven plans. They're all updated as of this Friday, along with some new ones. Um, I'm excited about them. So if you're looking for an inexpensive way to train, we now have them with or without coach communication. And I think these are really, let me rephrase that. I know these are really solid training programs. I've seen them work for hundreds and hundreds of people. So these updates are just making them better. Check those out. Also, if you know a person who has that restaurant experience, is looking to move to a climbing town, Lander, Wyoming, I'm here to tell you, is an amazing one. 
and there is a general manager opening at the Cowfish. You can find links right there in your show notes on how to apply for that. And I got to get back to work. We've got some really cool and exciting things coming. They're not going to be ready by Christmas. I wish they would be, but we're going to have Christmas in February over here at Power Company. So be on the lookout for that stuff. You know where to find us, powercompanyclimbing.com. You can also find us on the Facebook, the Instagram, the Pinterest, at Power Company Climbing. And you can search for us on that Twitter machine. You're not going to find us there because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. Time,